want me to change, but I ain't changing. Nah. I remain the same. And you are now tuned in to another episode of Intellectually Petty Radio. Brought to you by M3S3 Clothing. Me and Make Moves and Sucker Stand Still. And as always on the mighty, mighty, mighty Nerve DJ's Radio Network. And today, man, come on, bro. Like I keep telling y'all, I only do legends. And today is absolutely no fucking exception, man. We have the world-renowned plastic surgeon himself, Dr. DeLorean Griffin, in the building. How you doing, King? I'm doing well. How are you? I don't know about world renowned. Come on, man. I might Take be Detroit. I'm, def- I'm definitely Detroit renowned. That's, Come on, bro. That's Your work is all over the planet, man. Whether you know it or not. <laughs> There's somebody right now saying, "Yo, he 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 did my so and so and did a phenomenal job." Might be. Gotta accept the greatness, bro. Hey, man. I'm a humble dude. I'm not mad at that, man. How's your family doing? Oh, they're good, man. I just saw my wife tuned in just now. <laughs> Shout out to your queen, yeah. man. Yeah. Got to love that support. All right. So where do we start, man? Um, take us back to high school. Was you dreaming about being a plastic surgeon? Yeah, man. I actually, um, you know, from Detroit, but I went to high school in Maryland. Was I dream about being a plastic surgeon back then? Absolutely not. I was happy to <laughs> be getting out of high school. I mean, if you had followed my page, then you know that I had a, a kind of a rough childhoods uh, a few run-ins with the law that i had to overcome <laughs> before i got on this path but uh you know i had aspirations it's funny because i had been in a um uh medically what do you call that uh medical skills program at the end of high school where i kind of got more interested in in medicine mm-hmm. <clears throat> um you know before i went to college you know and so what that, was it about medicine what was it about medicine? And you know, I I didn't do well in high school. I, if you again, if you follow me, you saw I, I graduated a two point one two grade point average. But the few <laughs> areas that I did well in were the sciences and mm. the, the biological sciences in particular. So, um, you know, I had I had aspirations of you know we all say we want to be a ball player, a rapper, for whatever reason. I, I said you know I wanted to be a doctor. And I'll just put it out there. My estranged father was a surgeon here in Detroit. Um, at that time, I had never met him. But mm-hmm. I knew he was a big time. Pl- he wasn't a plastic surgeon. He was a general surgeon. Okay. Right. So I kind of um, built this kind of chip on my shoulder and wanted to become what he became in order to, um, you know, at one point throw it in his face for him throwing me away. Yo, I've never met my father, man, and I'm wow. I'll be 52 the end of this month and if he called me tomorrow and said, "Let's meet," I I'd, I'd be there. What? What would yeah. you say to him? I hate to turn this in, you know, the interview around, but what would you say to him? Um, no, 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 bro. Say what you want to say. Um, what would I say? I've never Honestly, I'd want to know why. Mm-hmm. You know, um and 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 I'm not mad at you. I know, uh, like, this is the one point of contention I had with my moms. She did nothing to help me meet my pops. Yeah. You know. Mine didn't either, but she was she was protecting me, and she was right in a lot of ways. I know a lot of uh, mothers 
not to get off topic, but you know, a lot of mothers will purposefully, you know, use their kids as pawns and will, um, you know, deny access. But my father never wanted to see me, and she she knew that, mm. and um, you know, she was protecting me. She was doing the right thing. Okay, um, yeah. okay. So you graduate, average student, not a. You know what? I won't yeah. say. Oh. <laughs> eh. Great intelligence, average work ethic in high school. Cause you got yeah, yeah you got to be fucking smart, man, to be a fucking doctor, bro. Like work ethic is only gonna take you so far in some fields, and you got to actually have some 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 real intelligence to be a physician. This is true. You know, I didn't apply myself in college. I I told myself, you know, I I was a I was a great test taker. I actually. Um, got top ten percent on my uh, my SATs at the time, and um, and I was fortunate enough to be able to matriculate into FAMU. Shout out to the HBCUs, um, and uh, it originally started off an art major. Um, I was a graphic arts major, but didn't see myself doing that long term. Mm-hmm. Again, I had at my my roommate was a biology major. I'm like, man, I should be doing this, <clears throat> and I changed my major. My much of this made my mother. She, had a full scholarship <laughs> I gave it up <laughs> to pursue my dreams. And I think she's, she's okay with it now. Um, but I say that to say that I followed my true path and that was, that was, you know, put myself on a path to become a, uh, a physician. I didn't know what type at the time or mm-hmm. if I had the capabilities of becoming one, but I can't, I can't tell you enough how much going to that HBCU changed my trajectory in life and seeing, People that look like me succeeding and being, you know, black excellence left mm-hmm. or right. Um, you know, so from there, um, you know, what do you do? You take the MCAT, which mm-hmm. is the, exam, the entrance exam. It's a lot different today. It was, I don't know if it's harder or, you know, more easy when I took it, but it was a hard exam, eight hours. I, I took it twice, did a little better, but gave me, um, Gave me that boost that I needed. And I did quite, I did well in my classes that so I graduated with a three five. Was uh fortunate enough to matriculate back home to Detroit and go to Wayne State School of Medicine. Yo, which is an underrated uh school of medicine, if you ask me. Oh, very underrated. You you oh very underrated. You see everything. When when I tell you that being in the city of Detroit and practicing medicine. In the heart of the city, oh, you see everything. You you go to Iraq and, and practice medicine. Yo, I so where you. did where did you intern at? Oh, so I, so I stayed I stayed at uh, Detroit Medical Center. I did my internship there uh, in general surgery. Um, so if you if you don't know, there's several pathways to become a plastic surgeon. You could do general surgery, mm-hmm. you do five years, and then you go do. A fellowship in plastic surgery or you can go straight into plastic surgery um you know i chose to go the route of general surgery because um a it was wasn't an easier path but it was a path that that led to that was <clears throat> that kind of gave you um more structure in terms of going to that next level because you could now become a full-fledged surgeon mm-hmm. run a service and then go into plastic surgery. So you got more experience that way. I feel um, and it added a couple of years, but they go, they went by fast. So I, I wanted up staying and landing a fellowship in 
plastic surgery, also at the DMC. And, you know, the rest was history after that. Okay, so what year are you when you actually get to 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 do cert to perform a surgery and what was it like your first surgery so i so in residency in general surgery residency you 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 pretty much on your own your fourth and fifth years of of residency even though you're still technically working under other doctors but you can work independently yeah you know, and a lot of people don't know that, and they may they may not like it, but yeah, you, a lot of times you do have residents doing <laughs> doing your surgery. Um, but it, you know, you're still under supervision. After I came out, it was funny because I completed eight years of total of of training, twelve if you include medical school. Mm-hmm. And the first case I did, the first surgery I did, was a small little skin graft, and it was scary. <laughs> It was real scary. It was scary because it's you now, and there's nobody that you can call. I mean, you can call people, but really, it's on you. You're yeah. the you're the responsible party for this patient who's under anesthesia, and that you're taking care of. And so, I was shaking in my boots. But from there, you know, you do you do more, sir. You get more confident. You remember those principles that you learned in residency, and you just take it from there and just build upon it. And that was nine years ago when I started my you know started going under doing my own surgeries. I've been in practice for nine years, been in private practice. This is my third year. Yo, that had to be a a scary transition. A, li- a little bit. Um, but again, is it a scary transition for the uh, the quarterback who's taking his first NFL snap, even though he took a bunch in college? Yeah, probably yeah, so. <laughs> but then you just get you get comfortable. You get in the pocket, and you get you get adjusted, or you don't. But uh, for the most part, <clears throat> you you um, you just you 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 draw from everything that your professors and your your attendings poured into you mm-hmm. during that eight year process. So it's rigorous. It's very rigorous in Detroit, and I was confident, anyways, coming out coming out of Detroit. And I took my first job in Livonia and, you know, a lot of the, the people that would see me, they're like, are you comfortable doing this? You know, if I come to the ER to, you know, to stitch up a dog bite or whatever, have you ever seen this before? And you just want to tell them, you know, if you were, <laughs> if you know what I've seen, man, it, again, you can't, you can't show me anything. Motherfuckers don't realize, man, Detroit receiving sees everything, everything. Like if you you've been down there, you, you just woo. Yeah, like, I mean, if you was, get shot, that's where you want to be. That's, what, that's where you want. You know, there are Sinai Grace. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a, it was a knife and gun club and burn club and and hammer to the face club and <laughs> you know uh, everything stomped in the neck club. <laughs> some crazy stuff. How do you prevent the God complex? Oh, well, here's what I tell people. Um, you can't have, you got to be wary of surgeons that have a complex, God complex because this, the profession itself will humble you. Mm-hmm. You could do everything right as a surgeon, as a doctor, period, and things still go wrong. It's inevitable. And so you got to be able to deal with that. And if you're thinking you're high and mighty and thinking nothing can happen to you, thinking you're invincible, you will be humbled. 
And um, you know, the people that ignore that and mm-hmm. they, they, you know, they become, you know, it's just those di- different personality types, but I've never been that guy anyways, because again, I'm blessed to be here in the first place, given my circumstances. Okay. So yeah, you know, the people that, of course, of course people think I'm arrogant. Oh, he thinks he's hot, you know, puffed chest puffed out. There's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. What I realized, man, because uh, I grew up in Detroit, is what you don't realize how people perceive Detroiters until you move away. Exactly. And then they all, exactly. y'all niggas is arrogant. Y'all think yeah. y'all is shit. And what it's I have chip, tried to explain to people. When, you yeah. t- when you've been told you ain't shit your whole life and you become the shit, you're going to have that shit. And, and not only that, like most cities, especially for brothers and sisters, don't see both sides of the coin with black people on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. They just see the, the downtrodden or the, the problems. But we got to see millionaires. Absolutely. You, know, you go to the courthouse, you black judges, the DA is black. You want know, the funny thing is, and it's funny you say that because I didn't get privy to any of that that side of Detroit until I became a plastic surgeon or I was mm-hmm. on my path to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I only saw the downtrodden. I only saw the, you know, the abandoned people. Really? I only saw the, you know, I only saw the bad part, you know? Oh, shit, man. And, I, uh, where'd you grow up in the city? In Southwest Detroit, Ecorse area. My oh, grandparents. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Ecorse. <clears> not up. a lot of people make it out of there. No. And so, see. when you when you say that, and now, now I'm looking at, dang, it's black people with mansions, with, with docks, with boats. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, what I'm saying it's, you know, they driving Rolls Royces. They, you know, they, I'm making me making me jealous. <laughs> so see, it's I, like, yeah. So you get ingratiated in that world, and you see there's a whole different side. You know, now you're going to the barrister ball. Now you're going to, you know, this event, this this black tie event, and it's like you never knew this side of Detroit existed unless you were born into it and kind of got um, put on that pathway. But I, that, that wasn't my story. No, see, I grew up on Seven Mile. Okay. And so, it's you know, uh, West. So, you know, Palmer Park, the matches over there, uh, you know, then we, we end up living in Indian Village for a little bit. So I had a, you know, a, a, a pretty well-rounded experience, you know, and I was on, on, on the east side of Van Dyke and Gratiot. So I seen the bottom of the bottom, but I also got a chance to see the top of the top. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't take a trip to uh, Palmer Woods and, you know, Probably until I was in medical school, and I'm like, "Wow, this has been there the whole time." Yeah, I mean, so, you know, you, you think it's you know, you go a few blocks away. What's the flyest shit you've been able to do just for yourself? <laughs> flyest thing I've been able to do: jump out of an airplane over Dubai. That's <laughs> get much flyer than that. Yeah, I'm not doing that, bro. I'm scared of flying. <laughs> scared of heights. That's I'm fucking dope. It's tight. Oh, I'm the type that says if somebody else has done it and done it safely, I, I can do it too. That's so, crazy. Um, I... Yeah, my 40th, we went to Seychelles and and went on this uh, the the uh, East Africa yacht uh, tour. Oh my god, that was that was the best trip I've ever been on. Yeah, yeah. that's dope, bro. All right, so let's get down to the nuts and bolts of plastic surgery. How many surgeries do you perform? uh in what time period just from from since you uh been in private practice i can't count them 
<laughs> no, no, not 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 message. Uh, let me rephrase that. Not how many, but how how many types of surgeries like BBLs, liposuction, okay, etc. Um, I say my most common procedure is probably the uh, tummy tuck. Number two would be the breast reduction or breast lift. Um, I think three would be a, a close three would be BBL. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, how many, if I had to guess how many I do in it, let's see, I'd probably do probably perform surgeries seven times a week, depending on how many, you know, what the availability is. You extrapolate that over. <laughs> it's a lot of surgery um, for me, but, um, but I don't extend myself either. What's the process for a, a BBL? Like, like, okay. Young lady comes in tomorrow for a consultation. What what's the steps that that transpire after that? Well, BBL is, is interesting because it's it gets the most flack out of every out of every procedure uh, that we do as plastic surgeons. BBL gets the most. It's the most uh, notorious, most uh, infamous, most controversial mm -hmm. that we do. At one point, it was the it had the highest death rate. It, it, it's probably it probably does still, um, but it's all about the technique. So for for me, uh, I think BBLs get a bad rap because you see so many bad BBLs and BBLs. You know, they're tough because you, you don't have as much control as a surgeon as 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 you think. But for me, I like to keep the the results natural. To get to your question, what's mm -hmm. the process? You um you know you see the patient you see what they're working with you see what their skin quality is like you see what their fat quality is like you see if the results that they want you know a lot of times they'll come to you with wish pictures and you gotta sometimes give them a dose of reality and say well this this is not your body type and you're not gonna get these results and so you have to see what you can achieve with that particular you know that particular patient um based on their anatomy. Mm -hmm. And so we do that, and you know it's about how much fat you can get from them. A lot of, a lot of these uh, ladies are, you know, on the slimmer side, and it's hard to get fat from them. So you can, you know, you do a skinny BBL on them. Um, sometimes you wind up throwing away fat because you get too much fat, um, and you don't want to. You know, one thing you don't want to do is just overdo it. And that's where you get the, that's where you get the, the ant booties and the you know, <laughs> and this that and the third. Looking like a box Chevy. Yeah. Who do you say no? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the patients that you say, that you, you say no to are the ones that A, have medical reasons and B, have psychological reasons for not being good candidates for surgery. But in the medical reasons, you know, your BMI is high or you got uncontrolled diabetes, hypertension. You're just not a good medical candidate for some elective surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to weed those patients out, you know, get them under control. Smokers, I turn away all smart smokers. You can't, you, that's the, that's the deal breaker right there. Really? Um, work with, yeah. Smoking causes, think about it. You can quit smoking, but it does so much damage to everything that relates to surgery. Tears your lungs up. Um, it causes vasoconstriction. So it clamps down your your vessels that provides the nutrients to the tissue that you're, that you're operating on. Mm -hmm. 
So you get higher rates of necrosis, higher rates, you know, a lot of a lot of bad things happen with smoking. So I make them quit three, three weeks ahead of time. And then three weeks after. Okay, most, so. of the, most of the time they stay, they stay off the cigarettes. But um, but yeah, those those are the patients. So the other the other category is the psychological reasons. And you know, a lot of these patients have body dysmorphia. Um, they, have, they either have unrealistic expectations or they're doing things for the wrong reasons or they just want something that's just out of the realm of possibility. You've seen you've seen a lot of these <laughs> these, these overdone, yeah. um, overdone jobs, and I'm like, who's saying yes to this? Because for me, I have to have some type of meeting of the minds and saying, this is my work and this is what I'm putting out as a product. Um, it has to be it has to be realistic. You know, the best plastic surgery is a type of surgery that you can't tell happened in the first place unless you knew that person beforehand. Do you ever, you, you go, I know doctors go to conferences all the time. Do you meet these doctors that don't say no? And and, and is there, like, are, are, <clears throat> is there a conversation had about that? So uh, the plastic surgery world is, is very interesting. Um, answer the short answer is yes but you don't you don't meet a lot of them because those real eccentric guys that do the, you know do this uh kind of crazy work they don't they don't go to the conference they just they're just kind of you know they're kind of loose cannons that do their own thing in their own clinic or whatever have you mm-hmm. um but you do you do meet some of them um because you go to the conferences and you see a lot of <laughs> like i've seen a few patients uh from the show botched at the conferences, stopping for for doctors, the precarious predicament that a lot of, especially in the private practice world, surgeons are faced with is that we got we got to pay our bills, right? Right. Um, and so when a lot of these patients coming around dangling money in front of your face, you're inclined to take it because you got to keep the lights on, right? Right. Um, you know, I got my integrity won't allow allow some of these patients in, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough situation to be in. Um, so I had, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not trashing any particular plastic surgeon, you know, we all, <laughs> we all fall short sometimes. <laughs> if somebody fixing my work too, I will be the first to admit that. You know, is that I'm humble good- enough to admit that. That's gotta fuck with your ego, though. Well, you, but you learn from it and you move on. And you you do better next time, and that's the reality of it. And that's where the lack of God complex comes from. Yeah, because I, I I've been a nurse for like three decades plus, so I've yeah. seen a lot of doctors over the years, and some like there's no accountability. <laughs> and and it's yeah. not it's not them that's the problem. It is the machine that supports that lack of accountability. That's true. That's true. That's where the checks and balances. Yeah. You know, and it's not always right either. The hospitals that employ these people, they get it wrong a lot too. Yeah, um, they do. And being a black, you know, being black is is an even, just a unique challenge in and of itself too. You know, I think we judge we judge more harshly. We judge more harshly by black people. Oh my. <laughs> It's so uh, that that right there in Detroit. You add that Detroit layer to it. It's an unfortunate circumstance that isn't talked about enough. It isn't. 
And those be the ones that be looking out for you when you have no idea they're looking out for you. Honestly, I I get overwhelmed and support you know, community. It's the one that the loud side they they mess with you a little bit. Is there a particular surgery that you enjoy the most? Great question. I, I, um, you know, I like I like just it just I like breast reductions because they're the most challenging. Um, because you got two of them, and you got to make whether they're they whether they're sisters, twins, distant third cousins. You got to make them twins, ident- identical twins, right? <laughs> Doesn't always work out, but but for the most part, um, we get it, we get it, we get it pretty close. Um, and they're your most grateful, and they're the happiest patients. Um, and I so I I, I like doing breast reductions. Actually, they don't pay a lot if you're going through insurance, but I make a good living. So is a, is a breast reduction, reduction, is that pretty much, you know, my back is hurting, it just got too big? Yeah. Um, yeah obviously, there's some aesthetic component to it, but uh, for the most part, these you know these patients have been walking around with large breasts. So you got big bras that are cutting into their shoulders, getting rashes up under their breasts. Back pain is so, so bad that they can't even function. And you know they want to, you know, patients want to work out, lose weight, and the breasts are flapping in, in the wind, and preventing that. Um, so th- that's why I say your your breast reduction patients are are, are they're some of the happiest patients that you'll, you'll ever have. Um, and the price of bras is ridiculous. I, hey man, and then you got to throw them out once you get the breast reduction, get some more. <laughs> oh my god, and I can't even imagine like like the chicks with the F's and G's. Oh man, and I tell you what, you 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 sit there and you spend a lot of time reducing those breasts, but man, it's just it's just at the end of the day, you um, it's rewarding. It's rewarding seeing seeing how it changes their life. Again, so I you know. That's medically necessary. I, you know, I I do take insurance for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't pay a whole lot, but I do it anyways because I, I like seeing uh, my patients satisfied overall. Okay, somebody that uh... so the F the F breast I'm getting paid the same amount as the the D breast. Oh, and that's got to take like probably two or three times longer. Sometimes. What's the longest time you've been on your feet in the surgery? Oh, <laughs> 17 hours, probably. Yeah. But not not in practice, but in residency, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. God. That must have been like a Whipple or some shit. Whipple? You, so, oh, no, my professor, he was he would do a Whipple in three and a half hours flat. Oh, I don't um, want to go to you if you're doing a Whipple that quickly, bro. No, no, no. He, this is my chairman, Dr. He, Weaver. Is, he, he was that good. Over. He was that good. Okay. He, he was that good. No, you you know these deep flaps. I don't know if you know about deeps, the breast reconstruction where they take the you know the tummy tissue, reconstruction using your own tissue. Yeah, they can take a long time. I don't I don't do those, but I, I did them in uh, residency and I was, seventeen hours. Yeah, no, um, maybe a bathroom break, maybe a snack. Yeah. Yo, how do your hands not lock up? <laughs> oh man uh i don't know i've been blessed my you know i've had I had some hand issues um but for my the big the biggest problem is the back 
the bending and the twisting is the back problems. Oh, I had a herniated disc from from opera. And, you know, I'm a tall guy, so uh, you know, I'm six four, and so a lot of times everybody that I'm operating with is down here. Yeah, I found myself hunching down, and I wound up herniating my disc. I had to, you know, I was, luckily I didn't need surgery. I, I went to physical therapy and it popped back in, but I was like, after that. You got to come up to me. <laughs> I don't care. You got to get on two, three foot stools. <laughs> but it, you know, I tell people all the time: surgery is a sport. It takes a toll on you. It beats you up, beats you up physically, mentally. You're exhausted. Don't get to eat. Don't get to see your family. A lot of times, don't get to interact with the outside world. Can't even go on vacation a lot of times because you got to take care of your patients after they had surgery. I don't think people. I don't think we appreciate that enough. Yeah, it's it's rough. You know, and I've had surgery. I had heart surgery in 2020. Oh wow. Um. Yeah, that shit was uh, like for me, the worst part about it was right before. I tell this all the time. So if you watch the show, turn it off for a second. But the worst part was when they rolled me into the OR, and it it was just me and 50 strangers. For your patients, like, what do you do when they're, you know, they realize, oh, shit, this is this is a real surgery and the, the anxiety kicks in right before they go under? <laughs> it's funny you say that because I have had one of the most anxious patients yesterday <laughs> and she, her heart was racing. I'm like, listen, relax. I've done this before. You know, you put their mind at ease by by instilling confidence within them with your own confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, they got get a lot of good drugs from anesthesia. So they go, <laughs> once that gets kicking in, they're they're okay. You know what I'm saying? But um, but yeah, it's it, it's I would have anxiety. You know, I haven't had any major surgeries, but I would have anxiety because you know what can go wrong. It's not likely, but it yeah. can happen. You think about that too. You think about it. You spend, you're in the medical profession, then you see what's what what can happen. Yeah, inadvertently. Yeah. Um, and so you got to, you just got to keep that in the back of your mind. How'd you pick your team for private practice? I'm sorry, we froze up a little bit. You with me? Yeah. Can you see me? Yeah, I can. Okay. How'd you, how'd you pick your team for private practice? Oh, okay. So, I mean, when I, so I worked at the hospital, I won't name the hospital, but you know, Oh, because I still work there from time to time. <laughs> so I worked for the hospital for for six years as an employee. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a salary, and uh, I built a big, massive following during that process. And eventually, I got to the point where I was making the, the hospital money that I could be making for myself. You know, what I mean? uh, and they weren't helping me in terms of promoting me or marketing or anything like that. Uh, during that process, you know, I, it was, I had a loyal following among uh, my staff members. So, you know, I had, I, I took my my scheduler when I left the hospital. She quit too. She's like, I'm rolling with you. <laughs> and then I had, uh, you know, I just, just other people um, got on board. You know, we put our ads in the paper. And so I saw who was a good fit and um, we actually hired 
<laughs> my office manager's daughters too, and they worked out. Daughters mm -hmm. and you know their friends, and they, they kind of got a loyal. But you know my patients were loyal too because once I left the hospital, they said we rolling with you too. But we're not staying and going with another doctor. That speaks volumes about you, bro. Hey man, I'm, you know because I'm loyal. You know I'm loyal to you know to my the people around me as well. You know if you put me on, I'm gonna put you on. I'm the I'm that type of guy. Yo, that's fucking dope. I uh first off, I, I ain't smart enough to be no damn doctor. Smart enough to nurse. Well, you know, I, I, let, let me, let me, I don't have a discipline. It, it it took a lot. Yeah. It was a lot of sacrifice. Yeah. I, so people see the glitz and the glamour at the end of the road that, you know, you see me, you know, screwing around. Where, where did we meet at? The, what was the name oh, of that place? Uh, Cambria. Yeah. Cambria Hotel. So, <laughs> you know, people see me at events, uh, you know, see my wife all dolled up and whatnot, but. It was a long road to get to that point. Man, yeah. niggas don't know, man. Interns, like, like a first-year resident makes $14, $15. A little old. At the time, I, I probably, my salary was probably 42000 my intern year. And that's working and got, 80 hours a week. Paying student loans, that puts you under the poverty line. Yeah, and that's working 80 hours a week. Plus. Yeah. And, that, right. and, and they, they, they made they these laws. They, they, yeah, they're supposed to be in place. That they don't follow. They gotta, we, I'll be the first to tell you that at that particular time, they got better during the later years in terms of enforcing that, but they didn't care. I, I, I worked a 30, I worked 36 hours straight one time. No nap, no, no nothing. 36 hours straight. I got there at 5 a.m., on a Tuesday and didn't leave till 5 p.m. on a Wednesday after clinic. Yo, and see, that's why if I, I tell them when I go to the hospital, respectfully, I don't want y'all niggas teaching on me. <laughs> because I know it's some kid that's 22 years old, 25, whatever the case is, that is working their 40th hour straight with no sleep. Yeah, and they're, they're yeah. And again, there have been a lot of protections in place, and a lot of. Uh, I think you're. I, I'll be honest with you. In an academic setting, you're you're in better. I think you're in better hands. Because you have, yeah, the residents are young; they don't know anything, and so you know, and and some of them might be tired, but there's also a lot of backup. You know what I mean? Um, there are a lot of checks and balances. There's somebody to fall back on, especially in like so. Detroit receiving, you got. You got residents, you got the first year, the second year, the fourth year, all on call at the same time. And then they can always call somebody above them. Yeah. And plus, you know, they got the, the experience. You might not have the best experience from a, a customer service standpoint, but from a clinical standpoint, you might you might do better. You know, I'm out here in West Bloomfield and it's all boutique and whatnot, but a lot of people haven't. They have, they're not going to be equipped to treat your gunshot wound or your you know, no. your exploded gallbladder, whatever have you. I don't want them to either. <laughs> you know, the give me, I I will say like I I'll take a, a fellow. You know, if I gotta have surgery, I, I don't. You know, maybe a fourth year. Yeah, they, and yeah. They, like again, they might be doing, but they they're under. 
No, nobody's just gonna let you fly if they're not if the top head honcho was not comfortable letting them do that after watching nope nope you know i not being cocky but i had i had pretty good hands mm-hmm. i got to be a senior resident so a lot of times my my attending would be very comfortable letting me take the wheels and, and just flying okay but you wouldn't they wouldn't be as comfortable with, with if it was trash That's, yeah um so for, for for the next generation following you are you are are you teaching at this point absolutely absolutely it's my it's my duty because nobody was there for me i mean and, and that's that's from a number standpoint you got to think um uh maybe five what percentage of black doctors just across the board mm. maybe five six percent if that if that you know yeah. what I'm saying? And then you talk about black surgeons, you talk about black plastic surgeons. I think I think that might be like three two, two or three percent. So it's it, so I'm I try to be involved in that process of mentoring, um, you know, allowing various, you know, either high school even down to high school students. I give mm-hmm. them lectures. Um, if you're in, in college, you know, help them with the process of applying to med school. I've got five people in med school now. Really? Yeah. And if you're in, you know, if you're in med school, you can come shadow me anytime. And once I, you know, um, once things are in place, you know, we're going to have a structured mentorship program. Yo, that's dope. Let me know about that too, man. Cause if yeah. there's anybody I can shoot your way, I absolutely will. So I try to stay involved. Even with the med school, it's, it, it, there's some, some, some entities that created creating chasms but you know we just have a, a program called reach out to you where we got we get them interested early elementary school really yeah yeah i gotta i gotta check in and see how um it's not hasn't been revamped you to do that yo like like when you say elementary school are you talking about first graders first graders yeah second graders all the way up to, you know elementary school oh I did not know about anything, nothing like this when my kids were were, were, were in elementary yeah. school. Yeah, we used to um, at Wayne State. We used to we used to have the program, and we brought the elementary school. They, they were all Detroit kids too. They never seen anything. Got to touch real brains. You know what I'm saying? Um, taught them about all the anatomy. Taught them about all the physiology of each individual body system. It was a lot of fun. And the kids, you know, you, man, you see, you see how engaged they are. That's the rewarding part. What's the creepiest internal organ? <laughs> creepiest. It's all creepy if you're looking at it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, when I said a colon, I don't know because that's where the shit is forming. I could never understand colorectal doctors. Like, yeah. what about you says I want to play this shit for the rest of my career? Oh, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, man, that's uh, it's it's, uh, yeah. I'm glad I'm not doing that anymore. I stay above the, <laughs> I stay in the skin and fat level. Is there anything about the, the medical profession that creeps you out? Um, no, man. Um, it's not. 
Oh, so my my least favorite uh, rotation was OBGYN. Childbirth is a beautiful thing, but no, it's not. Sense no, it's, not. In, in, it's just horrible, bro. It looks yeah, disgusting. Oh, it, it stinks. Oh my guys, it, it stinks. It's the most beautiful, ugly thing known to mankind. It is. It really is. It really is. The Bro, afterbirth is not oh, not a pretty thing, but oh. I knew I wasn't going into it after I did that rotation. I know that for sure. What really fucks with me though is sputum. I just can't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like trachs. I yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had yeah, somebody I, spit on me like off their trach when I first started nursing. Just they coughed and the shit just went all in my all. Oh. Ever since mm-hmm. then, man, I've been fucking traumatized. <sighs> Yeah, you know, I did a lot of cranial when I, in my training. I did a lot of cranial facial surgery, so we did a lot of either cancer reconstructions of the jaw and throat area. That, yeah, it was some nasty stuff. Uh, or the gunshot wounds to the face. Yeah. Speaking of that, do you remember uh, the, the 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 face transplant lady? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy that the guy that performed the very first one gave us a lecture in Miami a few years ago. That was one of the most interesting. Now you talk about long surgeries, seventeen hours. That was a forty-five hour surgery. I, I actually, uh, and I can say this because she was on Oprah, but I met her. Mm-hmm. Very, very just beautiful soul. This is the one that had the chimpanzee tore her face off. Uh, or... Actually, it wasn't her, although they were both at the same spot. Okay, it was a lady before her. Um, and they were kind of, I, I, I know it was like, it, it wasn't too much time frame between, and the only reason I'm discussing this is because both of them made it public knowledge on their own. Oh, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. but the first lady, she was just a really, man, one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. And, but, mm-hmm. but I guess my, my, my question is, is that, is that, ability to do a face transplant a good thing for humanity or a bad thing well they're getting better and better um at doing they're being better on all um facets of transplantation so even the anti-rejection medications are better and better mm-hmm. and to give uh a lot of these patients because the vast majority of them are going to be um you know uh patients that were in on the battlefield and had IED or something like that blow up in their face and they have no, no structure, no bony structure, no face. If just completely, you know, no nose, maybe no mouth. And you got to reconstruct all of that. And if you see, if you look at <clears throat> the uh, continuum of the initial, that, that, that lady and mm-hmm. what they're doing now, mm-hmm. it's amazing. I mean, they're doing. They're, it's just like they're they're reconstructing the bony structure, soft tissue, muscle, nerves had to be, have to be co-opted, and you have to anastomose the the vessels. So you have to you have to have vascular, you have to have plastic surgeons involved. You have to have a lot of people involved. But the 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 advancements that they've made in the facial transplant surgery realm, and I have to show you some pictures. It just blows you away. I could never do it. That's the but, scary uh, part, though. Like, what happens when Pablo Escobar wants one? <laughs> we can't, he won't come to the United States and get it. He'll be in Ecuador or somewhere. You know what I'm saying? And the funny thing is, is, is 
Where do you think? I'm gonna ask you a question. Where do you think the highest paid plastic surgeons are? Oh, definitely America? not. Definitely not here. Uh, pro- probably south of the border somewhere. The border in America. In America, oh, it, where the, the border town. Paid. Border oh. town. El Paso, Texas. Yep. I. I get you. Yeah. <laughs> they're reconstructing the faces of these cartel members and they're paying cash exactly you know and at some point you know like i'm i'm certain that there's some of them that are flying to who whomever to get that done yeah it's 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 like i said this plastic surgery world you learn a lot it's an interesting world it's a lot of fun okay uh teresa uh, wants to know about tummy tucks Hi, Teresa. What can I tell you? Um, I I guess what the procedure is, what what she would, I don't know if it's her personally, but just uh, what one would need if they wanted to get a tummy tuck, and and how much can you tuck? Um, so uh, tummy tuck. So the tummy tuck has three components to it, three major components, maybe four if you count the life of tuck. Um. One is the overhang that you have. You have an apron. You're probably a good, better candidate for, for tummy tuck than for liposuction. Um, so you get rid of the apron. One, two, the muscle repair is the second most paramount um, part of the surgery because you know a lot of women have had childbirth. They've separated the muscles, and um, and uh, you got to repair it. And uh, that's that's the vast majority of women have some degree of separation. I've seen some massive, massive what we call diastasis recti. Mm-hmm. You got to repair those muscles and bring it back to the midline. Third component would be the belly button reconstruction. A lot of people, a lot of surgeons really uh, underestimate the importance of that. And you know, my motto, if you follow me, is, is real belly buttons matter. So my technique is um, trying to make the belly button look as realistic as possible. Mm-hmm. I'll be dropping a video soon to show you... Uh, Show you a few things, how it should look, how not so good work looks. Okay. Really, it shouldn't look like a slit or a circle. <laughs> so we'll talk about all of that. And then just, you know, contouring the sides. And that, I think the important thing to realize is that uh, not every tummy tuck is going to come out the same. Because if you have massive diastasis recti or if you have a lot of visceral fat, it's a lot harder to, to, to snatch, per se. Than somebody that's wearing their fat on the outside, because then you can you can get rid of it. So I mean, I would have to see her as a patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a good candidate. Are men increasing in 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 numbers as far as wanting uh, plastic surgery? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I, I've done more males. I did more males in the month of December than. I have probably done in the past, I don't know, year or two. Um, and the reason for that is, is I have access now to what we call vaser liposuction, which is very good at reducing gynecomastia or what we call man boobs. Um, and then men are getting tummy tucks and getting ab etching, you know, getting abs put on. You got to be a good candidate for that, that too. You can't be an uh, out of shape, morbidly obese guy thinking that you're going to walk around with a six pack. Wind up looking like a ninja turtle instead. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're somebody that works out and just can't can't get those abs, ab etching is real good. Male tummy tucks, I've done. Whew, I did a lot of them last month. 
And um, yeah, it's, it's been increasing. I know a lot of people say it's, you know, the word now is sassy. Look, man, I, <laughs> I don't judge anybody you coming to see me. We're going to make you look good. Everybody wants to look good. Women can do it. Why can't we? Okay, I'm fat. I come to you. I get a tummy tuck. I get the six packs. What do I need to do? To Do I have to then start exercising to keep it up? I would have told you you needed to do that before coming to see me. Do everything you can in the gym. Uh-huh. And that's for women, too. Even a, BB, a lot of the BBLs. I mean, I mean, I'm not against doing squats. Do the, the, do the things in the gym and in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Proper diet and exercise first. Do everything you can. Your, your results are, you get, number one, your results are going to be better on the other side. Okay. Two, you're going to have those habits. You're going to be focused and more disciplined afterwards if you start those, those, uh, those disciplines beforehand and maintaining your results. Because especially during COVID, I, I saw so many patients, man, it, it just let it go. And um, that's like buying a Mercedes Benz and not changing the oil, not changing the brakes. You've invested all this money. You're just going to let it go. Yeah. Now you got to maintain it. I've seen um, somebody eat through the, uh, whatchamacallit, surgery. <laughs> and that's just, ooh. <laughs> and yeah, you can, they make your stomach like this size and you can eat through that shit. Yeah, you, yeah, you can stretch your pouch out. Absolutely can. I've seen it happen so many times. That's sad too. So it's a psychological thing. You've 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 conditioned yourself to believe that you're supposed to eat this portion of food, <clears throat> and if you don't, even if you've gotten satiety from it psychologically, you're telling yourself I should be eating more. And what happens is you're forcing that food into that tight spot, and you know I've seen people get the gastric sleeve, and then, you know it's the size of a regular stomach a few years later because they just stretched it back out again. Man, it happens. I think that was like 15 bands they spent on that. Oh, well, usually insurance will cover that if you if you're a good candidate. But yeah, the people that pay out of pocket for that. Yeah, they and they, like you say, it's just tossing away a whole Mercedes Benz. I'll never understand it, but bro, you uh, got a tough. You, I, you know, it, it, I, I counsel it because because at the end of the day, you that's my product out there too. Oh, I went to Doctor Griffin. Uh, I look like you ain't had nothing done. so i'm just curious have you ever just walked seeing somebody out in public that you did and you're like bro what the fuck uh yeah (laughs) yeah because because let's face it this detroit right when i met you when i saw you that night i had five patients in the same room coincidentally i didn't know they were gonna be there but i run into my patients all the time I ran into one in the gym that I just did surgery on. I tell her to put the weights down too early. Is it awkward? Um, not anymore. I'm used to it now. It's awkward for the patient sometimes. But if okay. you if you if you're worried about seeing me in public, just don't don't come to see me at all because you gonna see me in public. I'll be at the Lions game on Sunday. Oh, matter of fact, go Lions too. Go oh, Lions. Yeah. Oh my God, yo. So so. I mean, you've been doing it for a long time now, so your family is used to it. But but it doesn't bother your wife that some random chick comes out. Oh, he did my titties. I'm so glad. No, man. You know, I, my wife is very secure. She's uh, she, as long as you don't cross the line and get disrespectful, you know, they, a lot of times women will consult with her before 
coming to see me and mm. say, is it okay for for me to <laughs> see him as a consultation out of respect? Okay. You no, know, very rarely does somebody cross the line and you know, but but um no, she's I gotta tell you, she's very secure. Um, uh, she's very supportive. She's been through me through this whole process with me. You know, we had two kids when I was in residency. Um, so she's seen the rough side of the mountain, and now she's I would say she's reaping the benefits of the, the yeah. easy life now. Life is good now. Life is pretty <laughs> life is pretty good. <laughs> I mean, you, you earned it, though, bro. Say what? I said you earned it. Yeah. You know, it's and if good. nobody tells you today, man, I'm proud of you. Hey man, I appreciate that. Yo, I, I love to, I, I love to see, especially the younger brothers, man, out here doing the damn thing. Yeah, we just getting started too. I got my eye on the building. Really? Yeah. We'll see if we we see if we can make it happen. Multi-million so dollar deal. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. Okay. What's the plan? Oh, my own surgery center. And that's just that's just gonna be the first one. We're gonna spread out, branch out from there. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I'm in Cleveland. This would be a perfect spot. Yeah, I mean, this guy's that mastered that that whole this you know this guy Michael Jones. I guess he got uh, what's he like? Who? Lexington, I'm Lexington sorry, Lexington I, could, I, I, I had to say that, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm slow. <laughs> I try. You know, I tried calling Mike Jones number one time and. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, who Mike Jones? Yeah, it was him for real. Was his, that cell phone number was for real. But some of these guys, you know, they mastered the game of the business side of plastic surgery, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm focused on now. You know, you learn the the technical aspects, and then you get into the business side, and then that's where it really becomes lucrative. And mm. You got You don't have to work as hard. I'm working my ass off now. Eh, well, you know, you asked for it. I did. <laughs> I did. I signed up for this. I totally signed up for this. Can't complain. What your kids think? Uh, my daughter, fourteen. She's she knows because she was she was through the whole process. She was you no. Know, I was in the trenches. I was second year resident in the ER when she was born. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, oh no, a third year. But either way it goes, she she saw. She ain't seen me for the first couple of years. And yeah. I came home and like, who the hell is this? You ain't my daddy. <laughs> but my they've never not daughter. seen you be a doctor. Right. But my son is I, I was on the tail end and he was um he's kind of oblivious. They're just living the you know, they they look they just look at me like daddy. Nobody really special. You know, man. And that's that's okay. Oh, they know, my they, daughter they, they know pops is special. She, well, my daughter was like, all right, she asked if I was famous. And I'm like, I'm Detroit famous. And famous, famous. <laughs> Is that a goal? No. What what do they say? I don't want to drop too many uh cuss words, but after fame, give me the money. So if I come to you and say I want to do a show on plastic surgery and I want you to be the star. I'll do it. I'll do it, and it, I've been approached uh, by several entities about that. But it got it has to be under my terms. None okay. of that messy, married to medicine type stuff. I right, I can't do that because that'll only hurt my career. Yeah, a little messy, catty pettiness. I know your show is called Intellectually Petty, but I can't do the pettiness and on TV. <laughs> well, I try. I try not to get involved in no drama. I don't, you know. Yeah, man. 
I just, I'm low drama, man. You know, people if people bring me in the drama. Yeah. I, I try to stay away from that, yeah, man. Yeah. I just like having dope conversations with dope people. Yeah, man. I'm I'm too laid back for that. I just I just let people talk a lot of times. Yeah. Do my thing. You you're gonna need some drama, man, if they're gonna put you on TV. I know. <laughs> and that's what I'm not willing to do. I, you know what? I take that back because the lady that pops the pimples, she don't be having no drama. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. If you, uh, one second. Uh, hey. A little patient issue. That's okay. Nothing major. Some some, some yeah. live live doctor shit going on right now. I said it never stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but I signed up for it, right? But yeah, like Dr. Pimple Pop or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, just showing the surgery, showing just the the positive aspects of the, you know, you or the negative. Just but no, none of that, none of that drama, none of that cattiness. Can't have it. It does nothing. Does nothing for your 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 practice. You look at some of these married to medicine people, and you know they they suffer because of all the drama that's going on and on Why the show. Do it yourself. You you know you can do it on Tubi now. To be, I'm actually acting. I'm actually playing roles. I had a two. Well, we'll see. I got a couple roles lined up. I can act too. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah, I can act too. Yo, yeah, you. But yeah, you could do that yourself, bro. I know. Uh, there's a couple of you know. Oh, Detroit is killing Tubi right now. Detroit is killing Tubi. I see Tubi. I mean, I. I'm friends with a lot of, you know, friends with a lot of Tubi uh, actors, producers, uh, directors. Yeah. They're yeah. doing their thing for sure. Yeah. And you can do it exactly how you want to do it. Yeah. And, we about it. Yeah. I, I Yo, if there's anything, I mean, I, I'm sure there's nothing I possibly could do. But if there is, bro, let me know. I got you. you know, if people want to get in touch with you, they want to they use your services. Uh, how do you go about doing that? Um, I am in West Bloomfield. Currently, I'm in um, the uh, yeah, Beaumont West Bloomfield building, Orchard Lake and Maple. Um, on IG, you can find me, Griffin underscore plastic underscore surgery. I, you got to type out the whole thing. I don't know what's up with IG. They be hating. But uh, um, and my office number is 248-557-7788. Give us a call. I know it's tough getting through sometimes, but <laughs> we'll get back to you. We probably- <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man, I just want to I, I truly, truly want to thank you, man, for coming on the show. Uh, definitely an honor, man. And shout out to Mikey. Uh, yeah, Mikey X. Yeah, man. I, yeah, I met him at uh, the Godfrey Hotel and... Um, yeah, man, we're gonna we're gonna be doing some things hopefully together too. Oh, oh man, Mikey is my guy, man. He yeah. he, you know, he he hips me to a lot of shit, man. It's like really really dope individual that puts a lot of dope individuals in the same space. Yeah, I love how it comes. You know, when the positive side, I love when everything comes together. You know, we talk about Detroit and how Detroiters they we hate on each other and whatnot, but for the most part, it's a lot of cohesivity too. Yeah, um, you know. Come they hate together. just sales. Yeah. Niggas don't want to see black folks like just interacting on a positive note. Right. You know. Right. But it's happening. Whether it happens in front of the camera, behind the camera, it doesn't matter. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking, looking forward to the next one. Absolutely. You know, on that note, man, um, I'm gonna let you go. I know you got shit to do. Uh, and shout out to all your patience. Shout out to 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 the hard work you've put in. Um, and I wish That's you nothing but success, too. bro. Man, I appreciate it. Man. Let's get yeah. up soon. No doubt, man. Hit me up. All right. All right. I holler at you, bro. Have a good one. All right. You do the same. Oh, yo, and I um I definitely gotta thank everybody for tuning in. Um, yo, if 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 you know anybody you want to get some work done, please reach out to Dr. Griffin. Uh it doesn't get no better than him, man. You, you, you trust me on that one. Um, I definitely appreciate y'all for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share the whole nine, blah, 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 blah. Y'all already know this has been jobs from another intellectually petty radio, another episode. Tomorrow we will be back at five o'clock. And we will be discussing sexual assault at five o'clock. And then at seven o'clock, we got P Dot coming on. Um, I'm gonna talk some hip hop. Anyway, on that note, man, y'all already know, man. It's it's what you do that gets you on the show, man, but but who you are is what makes you stand out. On that note, I'm out. Y'all have a good one. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.